Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words to paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Joe Lyser is a comedian, artist and filmmaker. He's appeared on shows including Live at the Apollo, Taskmaster and 8 Out of 10 Cats. His television work has won him two Royal Television Society Awards, plus a Rose Door and BAFTA nominations. His artwork has also been featured at the Royal Academy, Manchester Art Gallery and the Birmingham Icon. Today I'm excited to talk to him about the letters he would send to three people who mean the world to him. Right, I'm going to start with my usual disclaimer that in the middle of me recording this podcast, my son Danny, who uh, Joe knows well, uh, is going to have a drum lesson. So um, <laughs> may, I am I'm two stories away from him. However, he is it makes himself heard wherever he is. And my other disclaimer, and I only do this because when you're a member of Parliament, you have to declare literally everything uh, or not if you're some horrible Tory who's had loads of money from the Russians. But I am friends with Joe, so I feel like I have to declare that. If we were in Parliament, if which you have appeared in recently, you appeared at the House of Lords, I would have definitely had to declare my friendship with you prior to... Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have been... Out, they probably wouldn't have let me question you. That's in interesting. Yeah, they oh. wouldn't. How would they prove it, you know? (laughs) I mean, how would they prove that we were friends? Yeah. Um, I mean, if I didn't declare it, then somebody, one day, if your evidence was used to, like, fundamentally undermine a law of somebody with loads of money and lobbying power, they would use that, they could use that to, to, like, fight back in a judicial review or something. I mean, it's very unlikely, but, like, you have to, yeah, you have to... Like, I wouldn't have to put it in the Register of Members' Interests. No. I am friends with you. I'm trying to work out what I should declare as, you know, just for the the benefit of the (laughs) listeners, I... I, I've, had, I've drunk quite a lot of coffee today and I'm friends with Jess Phillips and I'm also friends with Paul Chuckle, just for the benefit <laughs> of the, the listeners. Full disclosure. Disclosure. Friends with Paul Chuckle. I think that's important to declare at all times that it's possible. Yeah. You've stayed yeah. in his house, haven't you? I mean, that's like, you're properly getting a pecuniary interest from Paul Chuckle. You I have, am, yeah. If you were in Parliament, <laughs> you genuinely would have to declare that. I wonder, because I don't know what his real name is and I'm guessing it's <laughs> Chuckle. 
I'm wondering if I'd have to declare it on stayed in Paul Chuckles Villa in Catalonia. <laughs> yeah, no, you would definitely have to like any benefit that I get from anyone. Not like if you just buy me a pint, that's fine. But anything more than £300, I have to declare. And they have to, uh, if it's a donation, say, I, you have to, like, they have to be able to vote in the uh, UK. So, like, you're not allowed to accept it. There's all sorts of crazy Good. Good. I think that's good. Yeah. You work for us. <laughs> that's right. Also, the BBC I've read in the papers... How much did you get for Have yeah, I Got News I, for You? I mean, I also... Well, it's not the BBC, as you well know. It's a, a it's non-associated company, company yeah, uh, yeah. with the BBC, which, frankly, I feel... Actually, I'm going to blame you for that because I feel like I only got that gig because you we once went to a quiz with one of the producers. Yeah. <laughs> a quiz which we won... I yeah. to add, in, yeah. in a moment of absolute glorious victory, we absolutely pasted every other team. We did, yeah. But yeah. there was a whole thing about, like, news that week, and we did have the person from Have I Got News For You on our team, and it is mm. their job to read stupid news stories all week. So I do wonder whether sometimes, am I part of the system now? Am I, have I, I'm very much part of the, you know, liberal, wanky elite, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. I am too, but, yeah. you know, because we both live in Birmingham, we're sort of separating ourselves from it. We still, yeah. we sometimes bump into each other at the local Asda, so you can't, we can't be that elite. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But we mainly bump into each other in the local wine bar. Yes, we do, that is, um, and so... therefore we are wanky elites. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, spinning a really good Asda-based story, and if you're from Birmingham, you have to call it the Asda. I saw yes, you in yes. the Asda. Saw the and the Asda, yeah. The Asda. Um, so this uh, podcast is all about writing letters. And you, are, I mean, literally, I feel you owe your career to letter writing. Yeah, You're I do. You're one of the most famous letter writers. You're basically like Lord Byron. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> You're one of... He was crackers. You're one of the most famous letter writers. So you basically launched your entire career off the back of a letter. Was it to York Council or...? Yeah, I mean, I was writing letters before that, but that was the one that sort of got me um, got me recognition. Yes, it was York Council. They fined me for parking in a taxi rank. And uh, I, I mean, I was completely in the wrong. And they were right to find me, but I was also annoyed. And I didn't think that their evidence was sufficient. And so I um, sent them some irritating letters, which did did some numbers on social media. Went viral, as the old kids call it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and here we are. And I've written a lot of letters since. And, yeah. and, and a lot of my stand-up involves letters. The the ending of my current stand-up tour ends with a love letter. Um, yeah, I like writing letters. I, I, feel, uh, I feel sort of confident uh, in that realm, writing a letter. As, as do you. You've sort of said this. You, yeah. you, like, there's something about writing a letter that there's a distance between you and the recipient and yet you can be way more personal and uh angry and loving and all of these things in a way that you can't be in face to face or over the phone or today uh i've got i'm dealing with a really quite horrendous uh case of like years of exploitation and i was talking to the young woman i was dealing with today um about how she was going to talk to her parents and i said to her look if you're finding it difficult the idea of sitting down and talking to them about this like write it down first write it down as if you're writing them a letter uh, and then we can work through the things that are frightening you and actually if you can't bear to do it 
we can just send them that. That, yeah. you know, that, that can be the way it is done. Because people find it easier to express themselves, yes. um, which I'm sure is what York Council felt about you. And yeah. <laughs> they yeah. received. I mean, they, they expressed themselves back. It was a reciprocal thing. <laughs> and I very, I very much paid the fine. <laughs> Do you have any, like, brilliant letters from, like, real letters of note? We've had a lot of people on the podcast who've had letters. Tony Blair's writing letters to everyone, so if you haven't got one from in, I mean, you, you, you're nobody. I'd love a letter from Tony Blair. Uh, no, I, uh, I've got, like, I've got some nice little things. Like, I remember Harry Hill sending me a letter once, and I loved that, and that was really fun, and he sent it with a load of stickers. When Harry Hill sends you mail, it's got, like, stickers all over it and it's all very silly and playful so i've got a letter there i've got my letter from paul chuckle which accompanied the painting in fact it's in front of me let me show it to you so he did a painting of me because i did a painting of him so here's paul chuckle's painting of me um i can see a resemblance like like the joker yes like a sort of a gaunt version of me and then with it a letter from mr chuckle hi mate you don't have to keep the frame. Just thought it looked better framed. Trust you're keeping well. Cheers, Paul. And P.S. Oh, this is the other thing. It came in loads of carrier bags. <laughs> and he's put P.S. Carrier bags to try to protect glass. Fingers crossed it worked. I mean, and it worked. And it worked. There it is. I mean, that's a great letter of note. You could, yeah. you know, from me to you. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. But, um, tish. But you don't have any letters from the Queen or anything. Have you ever tried to uh, embroil the royal family in your uh, letter writing? Maybe that's next. You could. Yeah, that's a thought. You could go for the royal family. Yeah, uh, I don't think I've got any contact with the royals. I suppose I did the royal variety, so you get like a sort of letter when you do that. But it's more of a certificate, I'd say. They keep trying to ask me. I bumped into someone at the um, Prince's Trust. Is it mm-hmm. Charles's? Is that Charles's? Yeah, yeah, that's thing? Charles. Yeah. And they were saying, they were very drunk in a bar and they were saying, oh, we must, and I was very drunk as well, and they were like, we must do some stuff with you, Joe. We must get you on board. And I was saying, you know, I enjoy doing stuff for charity and I, uh, whatever, but um, I have said publicly as part of a joke that Diana was murdered on a number of occasions. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't actually think that, but I do it as a joke. A joke. Um, but I don't think, with that being part of what I've said in the public, that um, I should probably be working with Prince Charles. But, you know, up to them. <laughs> That's up to them. That's it's their, it's their funeral, isn't it? It's going to be called <laughs> the King's... Will it change its name to the King's Trust? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. God, Maybe yeah, it's going to be... Ooh, you weird. know, that the coin... I don't know. This might be totally... This might be like when Tom lies to me all the time. My husband told me that... Um, Charles will face the other way on the coin. Like, every time you have a new king, they face the different way. Or a oh. new queen. Oh. So he's going to face, the co- on the coin, they'll face the other way. But Which I... side would be better for me, do you think? <laughs> um, that one? Or that one? First one. First one, yeah, I Which do. Is, I agree, You're with that's... the queen, that's the way she faces, the queen. Yes, way. yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that side, better... I, don't, that, I don't like that side of my face, but that side, that's side, <laughs> Just a little bit. I've yeah. never ever noticed that it was quite so asymmetrical, but it is. Yeah, I think sort of handsome and uh, regal, <laughs> and then just sort of like chubby boy. <laughs> How can you have one side that's chubby, but you definitely do? Yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> you can see like the old, but that side, it's like a bit less. I don't know. I've never noticed this in real life. 
Oh, that's good. That's really Yeah, good. it's only now that you've pointed it out and now I'll never be able to unsee it. Well, I'll only ever talk to you like that. <laughs> if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the Alster. You just <laughs> face the wrong way. Well, your letter of note from Paul Chuckle, that is a good one. So I yeah. have asked you to think about three people uh, who you would write a letter to, and the first one is the one that would mean the world to you. So who would that be? Who did I say in the email? <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of people that mean the world to I me. I know. Um, that's... I'm just going to make sure that I... You're a loving with... sort. Oh, yeah, it's my mum's. Yeah, that's it. I'm I've so picked... glad you said your mum. Like, <clears throat> I sometimes feel a bit disappointed when people say their mum because, like, everybody loves their mum. But I was so glad that you said, oh, you're going to say your mum because she's excellent. <laughs> yeah, she is a really good egg. But it's I, I've, so as to not irk the other mums that I have... <laughs> And my, I, I am slightly breaking your format by no, choosing my three mums. Because I, I have a... I mean, I'm sort of mothered wherever I go, but um, I have my sort of three main mums. And there's my mum, who's my biological mum, who is, uh, you know, lives in Birmingham and is uh, probably my favourite person in the world and is a brilliant mum and a great uh, creative and a great wise owl and patient and calm and an amazing gardener and uh, painter and creative. And yeah, I've, uh, I've, I learn a lot from her. But then I have my Birmingham neighbour mum, who's Jane. She lived next to us when we were kids. And I would have my breakfast at home and then hop over the fence and have my second breakfast at hers. <laughs> and her and Andy, her, her partner, and their kids sort of became a sort of slightly sort of surrogate family. And we kind of, we've been fr- friends for since we were, neighbours they they live a, elsewhere now but they're like our kind of closest um family i suppose and and she is always keeping an eye on me and sending me lovely messages and comes to shows and um and we actually went to strictly together one year because she loves strictly and she always tries to get tickets and she helped me with um she's a food economics teacher and she helped me come up with my recipes for bake-off when i did it and as a thank you, I said, oh, do you want to go to Strictly with me? And she was like, oh! and um, we just had an amazing day at Strictly. So she's my like other Lond- uh, Birmingham mum. And then I have my London mum, who is a lady I've lived with for about a decade when I'm in London. Uh, she, I, I went to university with her daughter, Caitlin, and she very generously said I could stay there when I had gigs in London. And I now rent um part of the house and she is jenny bevan who is a costume designer who just actually just won another oscar she's another a tri- one. triple oscar winner me and caitlin and a few of the family went i know and- i saw you on the telly um harry and me we were like slowing it down because harry's obsessed with the oscars um uh, so i'm gonna have to ask you first about the oscars how shocking <clears throat> was it when will smith hit chris rock right here's the big scoop jess jenny won her award and we immediately ran out of the auditorium to go and find her she was doing press so we just like we found her assistant claire and we just got a few glasses and just was celebrating and then uh went back in to the ceremony and will smith was just winning his acting award and we had no idea what happened (laughs) so i i flew across the world for three days i was in la to go to the oscars to miss the biggest thing that's ever happened at the Oscars. <laughs> and we were watching the speech going like, this is weird. Why is he crying? And why, is pe- why are people booing? And like, I just couldn't work out what was going on. 
Oh, yeah. man, have you missed strange. it? I know, it's pathetic, isn't it? But, um, yeah, I have no insider knowledge for you of how it felt in the room or anything because I may as well have been in Birmingham. But did you go to any of the parties afterwards and was there, like, a lot of Will Smith chat? We did not. We tried to get in. We, we went for dinner and then it was sort of getting late and Jenny was sort of quite tired. Um, but we convinced her. We'd heard that Vanity Fair was getting quite quiet. And I know, I'll tell you my source there. Do you know Nina Nana, who used to... I do. The, yeah, Nina to, Nana. Yeah, she used to do local news, but she now does the... Uh, she's uh, entertainment correspondent for ITV News. I found out she was in LA at the same time, so I was texting her because I met her a few months ago. And I texted her about the Vanity Fair party because she was outside doing the press stuff. And I said, oh, should we come now? And she said, oh, it's actually wrapping up and I've left. And I think my our theory is that because Will Smith was there, I think a lot of people felt like they didn't want to be there and sort of felt it was like getting a, it was a bit awkward. And so we didn't go to the Vanity Fair, but we heard that Beyonce and Jay-Z was, were having a party round the corner. So we all hopped into two cars, drove round, and they said if it was just Jenny on her own, then she would have got in. But because it was all of us, they didn't let us in. Oh, snubbed by Bay. Yeah. That so, is... so no, then we just went back to the hotel, went to bed. I was knackered, so I was quite happy to go to bed. I mean, it's so exciting to go to the Oscars. Is it really it is. boring, um, though? Like, Yeah, it is exactly that. But we went uh, five, six years ago when she won the last one, and we went to the Vanity Fair party that year. And it was good fun. Like there was, but, but, you know, they were handing out, like, burgers and stuff. It wasn't like, whoa, this is the best day of my life. I was like... It's just like a conference, isn't it? <laughs> Ga- Lady Gaga's there. and That's really was... to be at a conference with Lady Gaga. I was introduced to Rachel McAdams by my oh, friend, yeah. who introduced me. He didn't tell me this until afterwards, but basically introduced me because she was... Uh, he, he wanted, a, like, a reason for to introduce me. Essentially sold me like I wasn't very well and that, like... <laughs> I was a huge Rachel McAdams fan. I don't think I've watched one Rachel McAdams film in my life. And he was like, oh, he's not very well, but he's such a big fan and he'd love to meet you. But he's, I didn't know he'd said Like you were a Make-A-Wish kid. Exactly, like I was a Make-A-Wish kid. And then, um, so he introduces me and she's so nice to me. And I'm thinking, oh, Rachel McAdams is so lovely. But like nice, but also like too nice. So I was a bit like, I, I was a bit suspect about the whole thing. And then he told me afterwards how he'd kind of sold me. I was like, oh, well, of course. <laughs> she thinks I've got weeks to live. <laughs> I've got a good Rachel McAdams story. She went out with, um, what's his name, didn't she? Welsh actor, Michael Sheen. And when she... Did she? Yeah, Gosh, she went out with, she went out with Michael Sheen. He doesn't, doesn't he, half? Um, she went out with him. I might be totally making this up and libeling myself, but I'm going with it. Uh, and when he, she went to visit him in Port Talbot, which, because he actually still lives in Port Talbot, like she wanted to cook him a dinner. And so they closed the local Morrison's so she could go there. That's my Gadam no. story. They let her shop alone in the local Port Talbot Morrison's. So. You know, someone like Rachel McAdams, if she was in Morrison's in you Port Talbot. You wouldn't notice her. You wouldn't notice, would you? I was talking to someone about this. Like, you know, people like. Ross Kemp or, mm-hmm. like, EastEnders people or reality TV. Like, they, if they walk down the street, they'll get stopped all over the place. But I reckon if Chris Hemsworth wandered around Birmingham, he probably wouldn't be bothered that much. No. Although we, we nicked uh, Tom Cruise's car when he came, didn't we? Oh, uh, yeah. I was so <laughs> proud of us. I know. Yeah, good old Birmingham, nicking his yeah. car. Yeah. 
So your mums, your many mums. I am yeah. also a person who thinks that you can have lots of mums. Um, and uh, yeah, which is a good thing because they don't last forever, uh, yeah. as I have sadly found out. Do they all get on with each other, the mums? They love it, yeah. They've only, I think, only ever been together maybe two or three times. There's a photo of me with all of them at my biological mum's um, open garden. She does an open garden every year to raise money for charity. And they all came and it was a lovely sunny summer day. And there's a photo of all of them together and then me sort of knelt in front of them, praying to my three mums. You've said a couple of things that I think maybe they exist elsewhere, but just scream of Birmingham. The first is that the woman who lived next door to you is basically like your family. So I yeah. have Chris and Denise who live on my mum and dad's road and they are like, you know, Uncle Chris and Auntie Denise. Like They're like your family. People who yeah. live on your street in Birmingham and maybe it's elsewhere in the Midlands and North. I've not noticed it in London, but they are yeah. like literally like your family, the people yeah. who live on your street. Yeah, and yeah. that is a really, really lovely aspect um, of living in the place where we live and the other thing is open gardens if people don't know that is people just opening up their gardens so people can essentially go and nose at their house and eat yep. a piece of cake in the name of you know the ukraine crisis um yeah. and it happens all up and down the street i live on there you know it's rife for the open garden scene um, yeah. And my husband was going to, like, open our garden up and just put, like, a dirty mattress and, like, a, a disused fridge in it. It's just like, this is the level of gardening that we can manage. It's such a weird thing that people just open up their houses, but I've not yeah. seen it anywhere. Maybe it does exist somewhere else, but... Well, I mean, it's it's part of the National Garden Scheme, so it is a national thing. Oh, is it? But, uh, but I think it's probably more prevalent here because we do... We are a very green place. City. Like, yeah. we, 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 people generally do have gardens and nice you know green spaces outside their houses so we're very fortunate for that particularly in the area of Birmingham we live in which is mm. a very green space yeah and do you have other dads is it just like a woman thing you well, surround suppose, yourself with strong women yeah I suppose Andy would be like a sort of surrogate father and then there's people like my parents friends that they went to school with or whatever who kind of godparents and things like that. I wasn't christened, so they were kind of non-religious godparents. So there's people like that, but not not in the same way, no. I've definitely, you know, I'm, I'm in regular contact with my other mothers, whereas the, the fathers are sort of, I'll see it Christmas and that kind of thing, but yeah. Yeah, mothers are better at keeping in contact. I they are, find, yeah. I find, and this is very macabre, I find that dads, my dad certainly did this, like he had to like use the phone after my mum had died. Although her voice is still on the answer machine 11 years after she died. Um, wow. But, which is charming, but also like, Dad, I just don't think he knows how to change it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, like, he rings us up and arranges for us to do stuff. Um, yeah. Like a Sunday and stuff now. And he, he never would have done that when my mum was yeah. alive. Like, men are sort of crappier at communication in that regard. But he's sort of like, he was forced to do it otherwise... He's going to be pretty lonely if he has to pick up the phone and keep in touch with us. Yeah. I, I just thought, as, as you're talking there, I, I do have like a small group of kind of men that were really good. And actually, one of them's coming, one of my mentions later, but people who, when I was sort of, I suppose, a sort of teenager or a child, kind of really helped me growing up. And I, I had a, a man that I referred to as my gay dad, who was a sort of was a gay guy that kind of. Um, 
helped with um, some shows that I was doing when I was a kid and whatever. And I used to go for dinners with him. I still see him a little bit these days, but like lunches and dinners and whatever. And he was very protective of me. So, um, yeah. It's nice when people have lots of adults invested <clears throat> in them. And my friends who had babies at the same time as me, like their children mean the world to me and I would love them just exactly as I love my own yeah in, in a heartbeat like it doesn't make biology doesn't make any difference to me no. in, in that regard uh and it's very lucky when people have lots of lovely people who care for them and and your moms I've not met Jane but your other ones your your biological mom painted an amazing picture of me mm. um and which I absolutely love but also she is like my mother-in-law who just sadly died she um your mom is is like her in that she's like i don't feel a sort of sadness about the things that my mother-in-law loved and didn't do because she did everything like she loved the garden she loved to paint she loved crafts and like if she liked something she would do it like this yeah there's a sort of generation the sort of age of this this generation of of women like my mother-in-law and your mom who are just i don't know especially in later life in retirement properly like leaning in while well, my, my father-in-law's like watching like sport on the telly and my mother-in-law is out was out there like doing everything like she learnt a lino cut and she like, like yeah the, any passing crafty trend she's jumping right on board yeah great it's nice isn't it that sort of make do and mend thing that generation of women yeah really like finding their creativity well i think it's a really I've talked about this a lot. I think making things and exploring new challenges like that uh, is just very good for your mental health. Like it's being creative, I think, is a sort of superpower that we all have access to in different ways. And so it's a surefire way of filling a retirement with happiness and joy is getting into making things. And yeah. My mother-in-law, just before she had died, so there's a, there's a statue in Birmingham called The Iron Man by Anthony Gormley that was gone for ages, wasn't it? It's back. Yeah, it's, yeah, back. it's back. And she was so chuffed it was back. But she noticed that um, when she accidentally like cut open a tube of tomato puree, that the inside of a tube of tomato puree is gold. And so she cut out... You, you wouldn't think it, would you? You'd think it was like a steely colour, but it was gold. And wow. so she cut open loads of tomato puree things... And she, like, fashioned the Iron Man out of, like, cut out and fashioned the Iron Man out of this gold and then made all these amazing prints of the Iron Man with, like, the pattern in the background of the Birmingham Library and things. And it's just, like, as if, like, you saw something was gold and you immediately thought, I know, I'll just fashion it into the Iron Man. Yeah. The amazing creativity that people have. It's just, it blows my mind, that level of creativity. Yeah, I love your it. Mom, your mum definitely has it. Her paintings, my favourite one is the one that she did of Esme from the... Um, yeah, the, it's It's like, like the life in her eyes is amazing yeah. in the painting. Like she does like a 10-minute one or something like every day on like uh, Instagram. She'll do like amazing yeah. pictures. She's always doing it, yeah. She's, um, and she Jane goes to creative. classes. Jane's obviously good at the cakes. Yeah, very good at baking. Very, very good at baking, Jane. I think she does some some crafty things as well. I actually don't know how much uh, what she does, but she's got a lovely garden as well, so um, she does spend time out there. She has made other, like, more crafty things rather than painting, but I might be wrong there. And Jenny's obviously Oscar-winning creativity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Jenny definitely is creative. She's, like, when she's not working, she has, like, a week where she has, like, a, you know, just sits and watch the telly, but then she has to be doing something and... 
she like is a real doer, Jenny. Yeah. Like she's got full of energy. Like she was a shoe in for that Oscar. Like I mean, there's did she know when she was turning up to because it was for Cruella, wasn't it? Which is yeah. literally a film about clothes. Yeah, and it is like the costumes in it are magnificent. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely magnificent. Like it is amazing, and that's what she did. Like, did she just know? Like, obviously, I'm going to win this one. I feel like it was obvious. I was like, oh, Jenny. Well, I sort of did as well. And then we started second guessing. And one of the things she found frustrating about the build up to it was everyone was saying to her, mm. oh, you got this in the bag. And and that actually puts so much more pressure on it than if people mm. go, oh, good luck. You yeah. know, if they go like, oh, you'll definitely win it. Then if you don't, you kind of feel like you're letting them down. And, and I think she found that quite stressful because she was front runner. But because the costumes are so good. And I was, oh, I was quite moved when I saw the film because of how good they are. They're just so impressive and so... Um, they're that, they're, they tell the whole story. The costumes genuinely are. And it's the same for the, the other... One of the other Oscars she won was for Mad Max, wasn't it? Uh, Thunder Road, which is literally one of the greatest films ever. Uh, but the costumes, they tell the story. Like, you, yeah. you couldn't have it without brilliant costumes. And had the costumes even, like, been good but not great, the story would not have been told. It, they yeah. literally... that They are part of the storytelling. And she's um, currently working on the new Mad Max now. It's um, the it's called Furiosa, and it's the origin story of Uma, uh, not Uma Thurman, uh, Charlie Theron's character. Charlie Theron, as Tom calls her. Charlie Theron. Charlie Theron. <laughs> um, the, so it's her um, kind of origin story. So yeah, she's she's still busy. Oh, amazing! How amazing to have made a very successful career out of your creativity. Yeah. You have as well. So well done. Well done, you. Hey, I made, well, I well made, done, all of us. Well, I made a career out of just being like belligerent and opinionated. So that's you know, it's, it's what I'm best. Very at creative, too. very creative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm creative with my words. Um, I'm shit at painting. Uh, I'm shit at art all generally. I'm afraid no, they wrong. they asked me to go on the Grace and Perry thing, and I was like, I literally can't make anything. I'm really shit at it, but I'm I'm sure I'll be able to do. It. I can sew a bit. But I do think trying to sort of escape the idea of things being good or bad in art is quite a good yeah i mean i know i've said like my mum's a brilliant painter or whatever but like some of my favorite stuff is quite childlike and yeah. my agent's uh, daughters i did a little painting day with them and i loved what they came up with we painted my agent which she sort of sat for us and um i just thought what they came up with was beautiful and they've been painting since and i think they're really wonderful that you know i get a lot of pleasure out of them and they're not even you know teenagers yet yeah yeah mind you there were those kids at school who were good at art you know like and you go into the art room and they'd like have done like this amazing thing and you just think oh my god i'm i Mm. can't i can't i mean art rooms at school were just there to make you feel inadequate i think yeah yeah to really work on that they need to put some more of the child like that shit never makes it on the wall that's the majority but it never made it on the wall it was only the a-level people who were ever on the wall it is impressive when someone can do lifelike things. And mm. I understand the um, the appeal of that. But in fact, it was Grayson Perry who said when I did his show uh, in the first lockdown, he said about if we were all kind of perfect painters, we'd all be basically painting photographs. Mm. And actually, the mis- and these are his words, the mistakes are your style. And I think that's really lovely. Like, yeah. it's you know, it's where you go wrong, actually, is your style. And that's... That could be applicable to so many things in life. Yeah, absolutely everything. Uh, so, how would you sign off a letter to your mums? And you say mum, by actually. the way. Jerry, well, you say I mom. say mum, but I write mom. 
You're right, Mum. Uh, okay, good. Mum, Mum. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're interchangeable slightly to me. Um, this is funny because, like, uh, I was talking to my friend Lucy yesterday about this, that, like, uh, we don't often say I love you to one another, and, that, and that's the case with uh, Dad as well. And we obviously know that we love each other, but we just, for whatever reason, it feels a bit odd, like, to say it. <laughs> and so, I, And I know that one time I finished a phone call to Mum and I went, love you, and she went, okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> it was really sweet. Um yeah, it doesn't need saying, but um, I would end it with I, I love you or whatever, I suppose. But um, it would feel weird to write yeah. it because we don't do that that often. Yeah, I don't think, I think most people don't, like, you know. Yeah. I tell Tom I love him literally about 20 times a day and he just says, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice. That's nice, Which yeah. Which is nice. I love him yeah. less now he's cut his beard off, but, you know. Yeah. I uh, still love him a bit. So the second person I asked you to tell me about is somebody who's no longer with us. So who would that be? So, uh, again, I've gone multiples and it's my grandfather's. One, uh, because I didn't, I never met him, but he sounded amazing. It's my mum's father and he apparently w- was very creative as well and, and very soft and quite gentle-natured and... I just feel like instinctively, I don't, I don't know loads about him. I just instinctively feel like we would have got on, and I feel like it's a shame we didn't meet. Mm-hmm. Um, what was uh, his name? I don't know. That's you know, this is such a man thing not to know. My husband doesn't know the name of his nan. She's like, I don't know, nan. <laughs> yeah, granddad. <laughs> Something Scully. Granddad Scully. Yeah, let's go, with Granddad Scully. That's bad. Oh, it's, would he have been? Not, no, he would have been Scully. He would have been it's Scully. Not, yeah. It's not bad because you you didn't you never met him, and if yeah. you had, you'd have called him Grandad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom did know his nan very, very well, and when I had to write a Christmas card when we'd been together for about a year, I was like, "Well, what's her name? I'm not going to call her nan. She's not my nan." And he was like, "I don't know." Maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's bad though because I've got. Uh, I did. Who do you think you are? And there's loads of files about all of the family and I'm sure there's lots of documents about him in there. I've got a picture of him next to a, a plane. Uh, I think he was a pilot in the war. And did um, he die long before you were born or? N- n- he actually died after I was born, but not, not long after I was mm. born. So I think I was a toddler, so not old enough to kind of know anything really. Um, so him and then my, um, my paternal grandfather, Doug, <laughs> Douglas Lysett, um, who, was I had a, a very um, an interesting relationship with him. Like him and, and Nan were the kind of archetypal, uh, loving, lovely grandparents. You know, they'd, we'd go around every week and they'd give us a fiver and they're always interested and they, the love was unconditional and they were just wonderful to us. But I remember when I was probably mid-teens, I remember it so vividly. Uh, there was a discussion about gay people. I don't know how it started. And he said, and it was so sort of out of character for him, really, because he was a very um, mild-mannered kind of person, really, and very f- sort of funny and thoughtful. Uh, he said, oh, if I knew any of my kids were going to be gay, I would have drowned them at birth. <laughs> it was such a, like, I was so sort of shocked by it. I'd sort of come into the house. So we were all outside in the garden. I'd sort of come into the house and... I think mum was preparing some food, so I sort of went and just sort of stood with her for a little bit. I was so kind of taken aback by it. But then I never officially came out to him, but um, he came to some of my stand-up gigs before he died, 
and saw me on telly and whatever. So he definitely knew that I wasn't. I definitely knew I was a bloody wrong one. Um, <laughs> Should have been drowned. He, was, he just didn't meet anyone that wasn't straight, maybe, or or, or kind of openly not straight. And I think when he realised that, like, it was you know someone in his family who he loved very, very mm. dearly uh, wasn't uh, straight. He was totally fine with it and kind of re yeah. rejigged. And I, I was so that was the thing I was so impressed by is that even in his old age, he was constantly allowing change in his, his uh, in himself and in his life. He quit smoking overnight, having smoked and said he never wanted to quit smoking. He quit smoking overnight, maybe five years before he died. Just never had another one and didn't make a big song and dance. It just stopped. And after Nan died. You know, he started making new friends and me, him and dad would go to the cinema on a Wednesday and do Orange Wednesdays. And uh, and we went to shows together. I remember we went to see some show together and we had to get up and dance. And I was like stood next to my granddad having a dance. And it was like, <laughs> so not what we did, but he was just up for it. You know, and there's just so many things that we, you know, just it was just so lovely to spend time with him. And I was so impressed by him always. So, yeah, um, yeah, but he uh, never said I, to you that, you know, he loved you regardless or anything because he didn't need to. Essentially, yeah, because yeah. he was spending time with me and he wasn't drowning me. So <laughs> I kind of got I got it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Also, and, he, it's, and he was very proud of me as well. You know, he was talking to people in the home about me and all that. So, like, but he, he wouldn't couldn't have, have remembered that, that he'd said that either. He, no. It wouldn't have meant anything to him in the same way no. that it meant something to you as a teenager exactly. hearing that. So exactly. he, I imagine, he would have been absolutely heartbroken to think that he, he it had meant. Uh, yeah, but I don't, I don't hold it against him really no. because he changed his mind, and that's more powerful actually than if he'd not said it in the first place. Actually, I mean, it's a, that is a really deeply important lesson for our current times. <laughs> is yeah, yeah. Uh, that you know, like. N- immediate and aggressive rebuttal isn't necessarily always the best option. Yeah. Um, And that you won't... Love is the thing that makes people change their mind, not hate and aggression. It's just like poison on a situation. Yes. And, like, but love and exposure to things is what makes people change. Uh, Exactly. and, And just being like, you're wrong and I'm right, which is so much of the common discourse at the moment, is just totally fucking pointless it's yeah. literally might as well you might as well just piss into the wind uh don't waste your time it doesn't work it no one has ever changed their mind but because somebody like robustly set out even a, like the perfectly reasonable argument for the alternative like yeah. I, I hate to say that like you know because that's what i have to spend my life doing is setting out a perfectly reasoned and evidenced argument for the alternative um but love is the thing that does that love and hope uh, yeah. cha- and fear also changes people like fear you know it's it's much quicker and easier to change a person's view by scaring them that somebody else is dangerous yeah um, but those... well that was the other thing i threatened him a lot so. <laughs> i'm gonna murder you yeah yeah <laughs> so Did he came to see your stand-up i was at your most recent show and your mum and dad were there and your mum and dad have uh, obviously they'd already seen it they told me when i was uh when i was talking to them before the show started and um i don't know whether i'm just getting old joe uh maybe this is the case but i was sat on the same row as your mum and dad and every time you said anything like slightly off color <laughs> Like, I was like that. I was like that, just like looking at your mom. I'm like, I've, I've got like terrible, like 
be wary of the old people. I would, I'd love to, if I was sat next to them, I would have done the same as well. I'd love to know what their faces are because I'm sure <laughs> there are times when I say things and they both go, Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. And also because I was with loads of people who are obviously like, I know your mum and dad and that loads of the people around us didn't know it was your mum and dad. So I yeah. was sort of like, I had a point and I was staring into it like, oh God, I feel so <laughs> awkward <laughs> that your yeah. mum is sat here listening to you talking about shagging and things. Yeah, and yeah. it's ridiculous because I talk to my mum about those sorts of things all the time. Like, yeah. and, and I talk to my kids about it, but there was something about your friend's parents sit in a different category, don't they? They yeah. sit in a different yeah, yeah. category of sort of like respectability and stuff like hello Mr and Mrs Lysett you know what I mean yeah. like that that doesn't go away it was with your own parents you're like fuck you dad like whatever yeah yeah um, but like the, the sort of level of respectability that I have especially because my dad taught your dad uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, like, like this sort of respectability of this role I have to play as Jess Phillips friend of Joe Lysett when I'm with your mum and dad and um, <laughs> that I felt I was like nearly dying inside now the thought of your grandfather watching it I, my heart would have stopped yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have been able to cope. Do you not find that having him in the audience was like, made you like, stop yeah. over some of the lines? But yeah, and it was really early on as well. So I wasn't as, you know, nowhere near as skilled or as, um, I definitely wandered into being crass more than uh, more than your average. I don't remember feeling like he was, I think he just was like, oh, brilliant, you know, and was <laughs> chuffed when I was on telly. And, you know, th- was, I don't think he worried about he it. He was really. from Birmingham, wasn't he, your granddad? He was, like, yeah. From- Sheldon through and through. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, Dad grew up in Sheldon. I'm not sure actually where Granddad originally, but I think all very similar areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's in my constituency, the great place of Sheldon. But this, yeah. what you're presenting is what is Brummy through and through. Your grandfather is is the literal embodiment of like, all right, no strong feelings. Like, yeah, like, oh, well, yeah, yeah we'll just yeah. crack on. Like, there is something so sort of like, what I'm going to call alt-reasonable about people from uh, Birmingham. Like, the alt-right, we're just sort of like, oh, we need to like it. Like, the, yeah, that's yeah. very much our dint. And so your granddad probably like, just no strong feelings. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, well done, lad. Yeah, alt-reasonable is really lovely. I love that. Yeah, like, that's, I'm, I'm going to start the alt-reasonable movement and it's yeah. going to be Brummies being like, I mean, if you want it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is our whole shtick, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Just sort of like, oh well, yeah. yeah. Seems like a nice idea. I'll see if we can come. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that. I love that yeah. about Birmingham. So, how would you sign off a letter to your granddads? Uh, well, to my paternal mm. uh, granddad would be probably right now. It'd be miss you, mm. uh, and to my maternal, um, uh, yeah, sad we didn't meet. I suppose. Uh, hope we meet in some other realm. I know, I sort of hope it's true. I don't believe it's true, but it would be nice. My mum, before she died, she said, I just, I, like, I'm worried about going to heaven. What if I don't know anybody? Yeah. <laughs> what if I, I, like, I'm not really, I'm feeling quite tired and sort of cancer riddled. I can't be asked to make new friends. No, yeah. I can only sort of have one social interaction in a day now and I'm exhausted, I have to go to bed. So... I think, you know, if you went and met everyone that you ever met and or who died or whatever, I'd just be like, oh, God, where can I go and have a lie down? Yeah, it would be a lot, wouldn't it? It would be emotionally yeah. charged. You'd have to really diary it in rather than... Yeah. But it'd feel like I've got to rush around, say yeah. hi to everyone. Yeah. Um, that would be a pain. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, 
and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, the last person is somebody who has had an effect on your life, but they wouldn't necessarily know it. So, who would that be? Uh, I think he probably does know to some degree, but um, it's one of these male figures. And it was quite hard to think of this, really, because there's, there's been quite a few people who have just kind of took me under their wing a bit and kind of gone, you're good, we'll help you out. And, I mean, there's teachers galore um, and people that I went, you know, at school who really did that. But the one I chose was um, a man called DJ Tango, or Tango for short. And when I was at uh, sixth form, they, you could do, on a Wednesday afternoon, you didn't have lessons and you could do extracurricular stuff, but you had to sort of declare what you were doing. And it could just be exercise. You could just go to the gym mm -hmm. or you could or swim or run or whatever, or um, do some work experience of some sort. And we some used to call it that. granny bashing at Camp Hill. On a Thursday afternoon, we did it. And you pretended that you were going to see your nan and look after her, but you just went and smoked fags. Yeah. Um, in the park, but we, yeah, we used yeah. to call it the granny bashing afternoon. Yeah. Had I known that, I, you know, I would have gone granny bashing. But, um, <laughs> annoyingly, I, I was stuck to the rules. And, uh, but I was also, at that point, like, really excited about kind of radio and getting into radio. And there was this new radio station in Tamworth. And I would go every Wednesday and Tango would pick me up. To and Tamworth? I would be, yeah. Quite a long way to go. It's a long way to go. And then I'd co-host the show with him and I'd help come up with ideas and whatever. And then he would, uh, my dad would pick me up and drive me home. And yeah, it was a long way to go for the work experience. But, um, and it's amazing that my dad did that when he was working full time or whatever. He'd just come and pick me up from Tamworth after being on the radio. But um, Tango was so, and he's still alive. He's still a very healthy, thriving man. <laughs> I haven't seen him for years, but um, he looks very well in recent photos I've seen of him. He was. Uh, he, he taught me a lot about the power of silly, and he was always silly in response to basically everything. Always doing voices, coming up with characters, uh, little catchphrases. Always just being daft, and um, I found that so one just entertaining to be around, but also just very powerful. And it made you want to be in his orbit and you wanted to, you trusted what he said. And, and he used phrases like, um, 
oh, what's the soldier phrase? Like a, um, it's like a saying. It's like um, it's not soldiering on. It was things like that, but like um, he just had like t- turns of phrase that oh, were yes, really yeah. lovely. And I just think he's great, and I think he's he's he taught me so much about kind of um, just having a go and trying to make people laugh and being allowing yourself as an adult to be silly and to be playful. And uh, I think that permeated really uh, deeply, really, and filtered into a lot of the stuff that I do now in terms of, it's just silly and it? it's just, you know, yeah, and everything, you, everything in life is being... What you do so well is make serious things. You take a sideways silly glance at serious things, like, you know, sort of the whole sort of, consumer champion which has seen you give evidence in the house of lords yeah like they're quite serious not like you know uh, like necessarily sad serious but like businesses doing bad things or um and you take like a silly glance at it but it's the best way to it's like any sort of political satire to poke fun at a thing is the best way uh to attack it in lots of ways because it's much harder then actually to it's hard to come back at somebody being silly isn't it it's quite hard like i would find somebody being silly at me politically i wouldn't know how to behave back to that really so it's disarming it's disarming it's dangerous as well like some people are very good at i mean i'd argue someone like um well our prime minister for example uh uses silly and uses comedy not for good you know yeah. it, it is powerful and and you can use that power in bad ways oh absolutely and, and so i don't entirely always think that it's good mm. um but it, he showed me that you know and and he was a very moral is a very moral man um tango so he always it was always filtered through um a moral standing and doing the right thing and being a good person and yeah was he christened tango no, his his name is Richard Simpson. Is his real? I can name, see why but... he went with DJ Tango. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he ended up with Tango. He was quite tanned, so maybe he just looked. Maybe like, that's it. Yeah, the tan. Drank a lot thing. of Tango. I don't know. <laughs> My husband saw a bloke he'd gone to school with some thirty-five years ago, um, and he once cried at primary school. This lad, uh, and so they called him Baby, uh, and. My husband got in his cab. He was a, he's a cabbie, and he got in his cab recently. He brought him home, and uh, as he got out of the cab, the taxi driver saw uh, somebody that he, he knew on the street, and the bloke went, "Oh, you're all right, baby." It's like thirty five years later, somebody yeah, completely disconnected stuck. to this incident at school was calling this forty five year old man <laughs> baby because <laughs> he once cried at school. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's rough. That is, women don't get it as much. Women. It's not like a thing, uh, the sort no. of nickname thing with women. We don't get it so much. Um, no, but... yeah. Well, our, our mutual friend Ben, he's very good at nicknames, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And he he gave Harry my tour manager because he literally saw Harry with a big cup. He'd got like a, he, I think he'd been to Burger King or something, and he had like a big cup full of Coke. And Ben saw him and said, that's a big cup. And he became known as Big Cup. Cup. <laughs> And now, years later, we call him Big Cup. Cup. And it's because on one occasion, <laughs> he had one of our cup. friends saw him with a Big Cup. Well, Ben calls his girlfriend, who's called Rachel, Baby Ray, because my son Danny once turned to him in a restaurant and said, oh, do you know uh, Baby Ray, who was a, a baby that he knows? <laughs> <laughs> 
it's stuck forever. Like these are, I mean, but it's Ben. Ben basically gives people nicknames and they stick, don't they? Because yeah. I also know uh, Baby Ray as the old bastard. <laughs> Because he, for some reason, he started referring to her as the old bastard. I mean, she's in her early thirties, but she, uh, I think of her. I always say, "Oh, how's the old bastard?" <laughs> it's, that's a gift that is to be able to give people the name and make it, it stick. Really is, yeah, it's a it's, gift. Isn't that it? is yeah. an absolute like corners. He's one of his friends because he used Tommy to be corners. Corners, yeah. Because he puts bets on corner kicks. Tommy corners, yeah. He hasn't given me, me a nickname. I don't think Ben has he. You'll have to right. you'll have to acquire one. So Tango, one day he once drank a can of Tango and somebody called him Tango for the rest of his life. Yeah, um, yeah. How would you sign off a letter to him? Probably because he's quite. Uh, I was going to say blokey. He's not blokey's not the word, but like I think anything too sentimentally probably find a bit much. So I'd probably <laughs> just say cheers. <laughs> cheers, pal. Or the thumbs up emoji. <laughs> just that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to send it to DJ Tango. Is he still on Tamworth-based radio? Mm, I don't know. I don't think he's doing as much. He's, he DJs in, or he was DJing in clubs. I think he now does photography as well. So I think he's sort of, um, he's spread his wings a little bit, but I don't think he's on traditional radio anymore. I don't I think, think so. maybe he just spends all of his time at the Tamworth Snowdome, which is the only reason to go to Tamworth uh, yeah. that I can ever think of from childhood as the Tamworth I'd agree. Snowdome. I think he lives in Nottingham, though. Oh, ah, right. Well, they maybe don't have such a good Snowdome, so... I know. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe Lice, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to come up with a nickname for you. I'm going to text Ben immediately and workshop some ideas oh, for, uh, for a good nickname for you, which I will then bandy around the local area where we live and make sure everybody shouts at you in the street. Uh, right. I'll basically just get my son Danny to do it. I mean, he's like the landowner yeah, yeah. of the local neighbourhood. I've not heard the drumming. Has that started? No, it hasn't started yet. It's going to start in exactly fourteen minutes, actually. So you're all, you're not you're not going to hear it. But please feel free to come round. And he's actually absolutely brilliant at it because he had an electric one before. I didn't know he was brilliant. And then we bought him an acoustic one for Christmas. Turns out he's like Dave Bloody Grom. <laughs> like because obviously Taylor Hawkins. Uh, from the Foo Fighters, died recently. Yeah. And uh, so Danny was quite pleased because he died on the same day as Danny's nan. And so he was like, well, he at least she's got Taylor Hawkins with her today. Like, that'll be uh, nice for nice, them yeah. that they died yeah. on the same day. But then he immediately went to, maybe I could be the new drummer of the Foo Fighters. <laughs> like, oh, immediately. Wow. That was his thought process. And I said, that's a bit mercenary, isn't it, to step into the limelight when the man's only just died. And he said, well, to be fair, that's what Dave Grohl did. Wow. Like Kurt wow. Cobain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, Danny. <laughs> yeah. He's got a good knowledge of his um, Oh, he certainly there, has. He certainly has. Yeah. Uh, right then, my dear, I shall see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.